Hey everybody, welcome back to the Iona pod. It is your girl, Evan, newcomer to all things Iona, reading for the first time. And I am, as always, joined by my lovely co-host. Hello, it's Alex. I'm caught up. I've done everything. I try not to be obnoxious about it. <laughs> I think you do a pretty good job. And also, speaking of uh, things that we're trying to do, uh, we are experimenting with new audio because um, we tend to have little audio issues where, you know, we're trying out new mics and whatnot. So uh, for those of us, or for those of us, for those of you who have been like, one of you is really quiet, one of you is really loud, or the sound goes in and out. It's like, we're trying. Uh, so, so we'll get there. We'll find that perfect, uh, sound quality, I guess, eventually. Alex, I think you're already there personally, but. Well, thank you. Yeah. I bought a new bike. I'm pretty excited about it. So we'll see when I edit this episode, if I like it. Yeah, you should. I think you sound like a radio host. Ooh, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I wanted to throw that out there. It's like, you know, we hear you about you know those of you kind people who are like love the pod but this sounds a little wonky it's like we're working on it uh speaking of people who write in y'all have really lovely emails or email i don't know how many of you alex will send me some on occasion and y'all are very fucking nice yeah there were a couple but i crop your names out for evangelina because uh sometimes you write spoilery things which i personally love and i love responding to but she can't see them so she doesn't know who you are (laughs) (laughs) yes alex uh is very dedicated to keep me in the keeping me in the dark so things i wouldn't even think of too it's like yeah i wouldn't even think about emails and you got this i feel like you're um I'm the baby that's trying to kill itself constantly. That's <laughs> keeping me from it. <laughs> oh, that is certainly an analogy you can use here. <laughs> Listen, if I've learned anything from binging Kaleidostar season two, it's that you just need to turn everything up to 11 and go bad shit. I think I've brought this up on the pod before. But I have been watching um, this anime. I'm actually at the end of this episode. I'm going to recap one of the filler episodes for you all. Uh, because it is just so bonkers. Like the first season was genuinely, I thought, good and fabulous and cute. And then the second and towards the end of the first season, it started kind of going a little off the rails. And now the second season, which is the only other season it has uh, other than some OVAs, is wild. <laughs> but I kind of like when anime goes off the rails. It's Me like, too. okay, the first season was kind of boring. You're getting your feet wet, and now you can just go buck wild in the universe. Oh, I'm having a great time. I'm having <laughs> the best time. I just like narratively, I acknowledge that it's whack. Uh, but if there's one Fair. thing I've learned for this show, this show is why do the reasonable, simple thing or say the reasonable, like logical thing when you can just be batshit? I mean, Again, 
Yeah, it's the One Tree Hill way of handling things. In season <laughs> six, I want to say, the dog eats Dan's heart and runs off with it. And it's routinely mentioned on Twitter as like the I, wildest moment. Exactly. I think you like liked it or retweeted it recently and I had never seen it. And I could not believe that was a real scene. <laughs> Oh my god, you've never made you watch that? No, oh my god, I could not, like, I thought, I was like, this has to be an SNL sketch or something. No, no, it's dead serious. Oh my god, and the way Lucas just looks at Dan and shakes his head like, you earned this? (laughs) I mean, he did, but holy shit, it's so funny. Oh, I got to link that in the show notes. If you haven't seen it. Oh, my God. So good. (sighs) Speaking of One Tree Hill, I cannot confirm that this is where I got this song. But I did have a note. I finally was listening. I was going through something. And I was like, oh, this reminds me of Hakiona. Um, So there's a song. I can't remember where I first heard it. But I feel like it was either when we were trying to watch One Tree Hill together. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had like those cool alternative songs. It was either on One Tree Hill or some other such show, but so contagious by acceptance. Okay. I feel like is Hawk's view of Yona. Could this be out of line? Could this be out of line? They are the only one breaking me down like this. Glad you finally found a song. Yeah. You've been talking about it for, you know, ever. I know. <laughs> Makes me so sad. Or like I'll think I'll find like a really great song. And then just like with any song that I love, I immediately want to apply it to like an imaginary AMV in my head. Mm-hmm. Of and course. It, it, it does sadden me when I find a new song and I can't attach it to any of my OTPs. So Yeah, same. That's why I like to look up like character and ship playlists on Spotify. And if you do those, you mean the world to me. <laughs> but I haven't found one in a very long time that I've really enjoyed. Oh, I do. I just want to get back to playlists and draw. I mean, like I've been making them a lot on Spotify and you have too. But I like past that post. I think you reblogged it about how like sad it is that on Tumblr, nobody really makes those playlist posts anymore. And I understand a lot of it was like the downfall of eight tracks, but you can still make those posts, link it to your Spotify playlist, make the cool cover art, title it some uh, really emotionally wrought line. (laughs) Exactly. I miss those days. You know, I was looking through the notes on that post and somebody was like, RIP, eight tracks, uh, the, this is when it died with eight tracks. And yeah. somebody else said, no, eight tracks is back. So I looked it up and it was like, we're, we've revamped it and we're back and we're better than ever. And I was like, but can you still download things? And do you still have the like three song an hour min- <laughs> limit going on? Because that's what really killed it. I think it was exactly. still around for a long time, but like no one wanted to use it. Yeah, because they they made it unusable. I guess that's true. They they just made a hostile environment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I don't know. Apparently it's back, but I don't know what that means. Yeah, I'm thoroughly a Spotify hoe now, so. Yeah, 
Although Spotify makes me nervous because they used to have the OST for Inuyasha and then they took it down, but only some of it. They had the like incidental music, but they don't have the themes. So like, I really just want to listen to Kikia's theme on like a loop because it's beautiful, but it's not on Spotify. There are occasionally songs where I, I do the old school convert a youtube video into an mp3 <laughs> if, I, if i really want to list like for example i have the um it's my ringtone it is the i think it's the crystal power theme for sailor moon it's oh, mm-hmm. it's one it's one of her early transformation songs um and i aggressively wanted it and they didn't have the original on spotify yeah they don't have a lot of the original stuff for Sailor Moon I on Spotify. Know. They have they a lot don't... of like stylized versions of like Philharmonic orchestras will do. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't want that. I want the <laughs> I want that synth and all of that. Like mm-hmm. oh, I also have also from Sailor Moon, um, specifically the VHS version of the VHS English version of Promise of the Rose, Power of Love. Hell yeah. The best song in the world. I best also song. I also did a YouTube convert to MP3 and have that on my phone because I need it forever and ever. Absolutely. Um yeah, that it that is where Spotify fails me is just anime soundtracks. Um, going <laughs> back to Kaleido Star, I really like their current theme, Tattoo Kiss, and they only have like a cover version of it mm. that doesn't slap as hard. No offense to whoever. <laughs> that version but uh, it's like my gosh i can't even start a weeb playlist because they won't don't have anything that i've listened to what uh, a shame it's a tragedy okay but speaking of weeb stuff this week i did discover that the 8686 soundtrack is on spotify and it rules when you need to like concentrate it's very oh, good. Hell yeah. I love a good concentration soundtrack. Um, my go-tos remain um, the social network soundtrack, which you told me about. That That is amazing for concentration. And then I think I've told you about this. There's this band called, um, is it Dance with the Dead? And they're just like, like a, like a, their vibe is very much like, 80s horror like it's very synthy and scary sounding and apparently their inspirations were like john carpenter and all that jazz so they're nailing their vibe really well um and it's you know just completely instrumentals and i'll throw that on to concentrate a lot of the time because their albums very much make me feel like a final girl in a horror film and i'm going <laughs> to get it done or i'm going to die <laughs> so fair but yeah i'll have to try that 86 86 Yes. I have not heard of this particular anime. It's very good. Uh, yeah, so basically the plot is that there is... Uh, it follows a girl, and she is in this government agency, and she gets put in charge of a team of robots that go out into the field and fight off this... Uh, thing i think they might be monsters it's a little unclear they're still in the world building stage and i'll admit that i kind of flew through the episodes so i didn't pay super close attention but then 
This isn't really spoilers because you find out like 20 minutes into the first episode, but it turns out the robots aren't actually robots and they're enslaved human beings that they send oh, off the war to die fun. in place of the, the like, ruling class. So the main Dang. character finds this out and she's like, this is fucked. I want to do something about it. And then I think basically the rest of the series is her being semi-powerless about it and trying to keep them alive, even though like everybody knows <laughs> like all of the like robot people out in the field are like, yeah, we we're going to die. Like the, nobody ever survives this. So this is just kind of our fate. Why don't you let us just go to our fate and just like no but i can't do that you're human beings it's it's dark um but it's really good okay yeah that is a really really intriguing premise yeah yeah and i can i can believe that a show like that would have a soundtrack that fucks <laughs> yeah, it is a very good soundtrack. It's like super well produced. I think it's really well written too. I mean, the anime itself has been good. It's based on light novels, and I haven't read the light novels, but I've heard only very good things. Okay, right on. That's speaking my wreck of- for the week. Yes. All right. Speaking of good things, are we ready to dive into these chapters? Yes, I will let you have that transition for once, because this is a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) We have chapter 64 and 65, which are some of the best, especially for Hakiona stuff. Uh, But first, your prediction from last week was that something will happen with the soldiers, because they were mentioned a lot, like mentioned very pointedly, I guess. Um... They were mentioned pointedly, well, not pointedly, but like semi-pointedly again. But we don't see any soldiers yet. we don't see them, yeah. I'm expecting like an actual like plot with the soldiers. Like they're going to, you know, accidentally stumble upon a tense soldier situation that they're going to have to get out of or something. Yeah. It hasn't happened yet. But we, we have heard whisperings that they're very like... They're not very fun to be around. They're very, like, intense and gruff and to the point where everyone in this village is so excited to see these newcomers because they're good looking and they're fun, (laughs) which their men are not. Yeah. Okay, so we'll put a pin on your your prediction. It remains to be seen. But currently, no, we have not seen anything yet. Wouldn't it be wild if they just mentioned these things and then nothing ever comes of it? (laughs) Now we've got to get these soldiers somewhere. I'm sowing the seeds for absolutely no reason. Hey, that happens sometimes, though. I know. know I've talked um, somebody who's who does this a couple of times in their work is I've brought them up on the pod before. Holly Black, writer of most uh, mostly for now is known for um i don't know why i can't speak english anymore (laughs) (laughs) mostly known now for of course the cruel prince but um she's done it before too so like in the cruel prince uh although i didn't mind it as much in this one but i i mentioned when you had finally read it there's this plot point spoilers for anybody who hasn't read the folk of the air series where Jude, who is a human, doesn't want to be uh, able to be glamoured, that is, ensorcelled by fairies. And so this fae guy who's powerful, uh, if she works for him, will give her the power to not be glamoured 
but the caveat is she can still be glamored by him. And you're like, oh, that's going to bite her in the ass later. Yeah. Spoilers, it never does. He gets murdered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that, and then the other one that I can remember is she has another series, Holly Black, that's called The Curse Workers, um, which is like, you know, a, a urban fantasy, magical realism type thing. And I think you read them because uh, Jesse Eisenberg was the narrator for the audiobooks. Yeah. Uh, and oh, you... also, that was still when I didn't have a smartphone. So I got the CDs from the library and I played them in my car. <laughs> you were so dedicated. So dedicated. Yes. She was going again, going back to the social network. You were just going to consume all the media of all the people that were in that those films. <sighs> yeah. Uh, but the curse workers yeah the curse workers (laughs) there is this it comes up a couple of times that castle the main character his dad left this essentially this lockbox or something it's got all kinds of locks on it it's impossible to open they've been trying you know his dad's dead now they never did find out what's in it and he's spent all this time trying to open it and it comes up a couple of times he never opens it we don't know Mm. And to this day, what is in that box? <laughs> like, that that's, one does bug me. I was going to say, that's really frustrating. <laughs> it's so frustrating. I, I know it's brought up at least twice. Yeah. And yeah, it, it leads nowhere. One, okay, so one example of that that I think was actually kind of cool was uh, The Hating Game. Oh, yeah? Which I... I watched the movie recently. The book is better, but the movie was fun. Oh, uh, okay. I had did... I had worries about the movie after seeing the trailer, but I know so did I. <laughs> but it ended up being okay. Like I, I did laugh out loud a few times. Um, uh, but there's there's one plot point in the book where. Uh, she has this friend that stopped talking to her because she she blamed the main character for. Uh, getting her letting like not warning her that she was going to be fired even though the main character didn't know yeah and so she brings it up a couple times and it's mostly as like a conflict with the like love interest because he's the one who basically fired her friend and like (laughs) so she's like you're the face of evil for me and now I don't have friends in the city anymore because like she was my only friend here um and then I, I expected her to be able to, like, reconcile with her friend in the end, I but she too. never does. And I thought that that was actually kind of cool because you would expect her to reconcile with her friend. But a lot of times with those things, you just don't. Like, you don't get closure. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You never get closure. So I thought that was kind of a cool way to handle it of being like, well, yeah, that just, like, sucks for you and you just don't have a friend anymore. Um so I didn't mind that one. Yeah, but no, a locked box would drive me fucking nuts. That would need to be opened. I'm like, what what purpose did that serve? Like, <laughs> I don't even think there was meaning attached to it. Like, was there even a meaning in not being able to open it? Like, I don't know. I have if a theory. It was, if it was ahead. from his father, maybe it was a sim- symbolic of like, I'll never know my father because he's dead now. I don't know. It's, it's been forever <laughs> since I read those books, so I can't, I can't say for sure. I might even be misremembering it a little bit, but I do recall thinking I did enjoy that. I mean, 
there hasn't been a Holly Black book that I've read that I haven't enjoyed. But I do remember thinking that the third book felt kind of rushed um, plot point wise. Like, and so it was one of those things where I was wondering, I was like, oh, did she mean to come back to this and then just didn't mm-hmm. get to? So I don't know. But yeah, still standing, Holly Black forever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, sorry, that was a really long tangent. But I'm going to take from all of this that we will see these soldiers, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I will keep that in mind for the future. But in the current, we have Chip- Chapter 64. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Chapter 64. Senri Village, Sen Province, Kai Empire. Okay, so we show up at the border and immediately see a woman passed out who perks up when she sees Hawk hovering over her because she's an icon. Yeah, I said I knew this chick would love getting roused by Ho- in Hawk's arms because same bitch. <laughs> <laughs> You're passed yeah. out and you wake up in the arms of a man that looks like Hawk. Good day. You can't complain about that. Yeah. Even if you have passed out because you've overworked yourself because all the men have gone off to war. So yeah, but she looks up and she <laughs> she looks around and she's like, oh God, they're all hot. Which is <laughs> <laughs> delightful. Um, yeah, and she sticks around. Her name is Aro. Is that how you pronounced it in your head? I pronounced it Arrow, but I think that's because I had Twilight in my head. So Okay. I will go with Arrow. Oh, wait, because... But he might have been Aro in Twilight as well. <laughs> no, I don't know. Shoot. I don't know. Okay, I Nobody think it's knows. Arrow. I, I I think that the Twilight is Arrow. Okay, good. I was going to say, am I misremembering? Yeah. But here, it makes more sense to me to be Aro. Oh, God. Okay. Although Lord, uh, well, really, I was like, I also though have a very bad grasp on these names. Every time I'm like, oh, it'll be pronounced this way, like without fail, my gut is wrong. Honestly, same though. I was very wrong about Jiha. Anyway, um, okay. <laughs> Heads or tails? <laughs> tails. Okay, tails is. Arrow heads is arrow. Okay. Okay. It's tails. So we're going with arrow. All right. Arrow. All right. So she sticks around. And then <laughs> it did make you laugh that Yoon immediately smiles through the pain and thinks they're already standing out. Yes. He's already <laughs> scrambling to pass off these freaks as normal. <laughs> yes, not even like three panels in. His time <laughs> gets shorter and shorter every time they go to a new village. <laughs> uh, so then Aro guesses that they're traveling performers, and Yoon thinks it's a great cover because there's no other way to explain these bizarre creatures. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, she says she's not sick. She's just dizzy from manual labor. Uh, and so. They go to the village and as thanks for helping her out uh, and also because they're hot, she invites them to the village for the fire quelling festival. Yes. Also, this town is immediately horny. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you be if there are no men around and then all of a sudden four, well, five, six, six super hot dudes. 
and a cute girl come in, like, wouldn't you be just like thrilled off your gourd? It would be. I feel like, <laughs> I mean, this is just a town of Lydia and Kitty Bennett's, and the <laughs> militia has arrived in town. <laughs> If only they had a ribbon shop to go to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So while they're in the village, all the men are accosted, except for Yoon, who gets to go wander off and do his own thing. And he comes across um, this basket of Isa grain. And we learn its name because an old man accuses Yoon of trying to steal it. Which I think is like a fun narrative trick. Like it was pretty obvious what she was doing. It was like, we have to name this and Yoon won't know. None of our characters will know. They have to name it. I just, I, it, those things always make me laugh. I was reading something earlier today. It's called the Spanish love deception. I'm only like five pages into it, but um, on like page two, it's like Rosie, my best friend and coworker at the marketing firm that we work at downtown and I'm like okay this is a little clumsy but that's okay (laughs) we gotta know who these people are it's fine but it always makes me laugh yeah yeah um I also this whole thing I was like because I said an episode or two ago uh because you know they were setting away they, they were leaving um I already forgot his name that fire bitch who isn't obsessed with Yona and got Tae Joon. Joon, I don't you know why I forgot. Twelve him. fucking weeks with the man, and you forgot Tejun's name. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> this is one of those times where later I'm going to be up at night worrying about the state of my memory and if I have a tumor <laughs> or something. Okay, I'm going to accept it only because you called him Fire Bitch. But all right, <laughs> yeah. So the. Um... You know, they were leaving and they were like, we need to find a crop that'll work out here. And I had said, I'm like, obviously they're going to run into some other adventure because I'm going to be very bored if we just have all these chapters where they're looking for a crop. And then this was happening. I was like, oh, my God, they are literally just going to have a chapter about a crop. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, and I was about to have such questions for you because I was like, Alex said this was a really good arc. What is happening? <laughs> Maybe I was lying to you and this is the worst one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think we're far enough into it for me to be able to say this is definitely top five. I put this as my third favorite arc of the entire series. I really love this. So we'll see what you think at the very end, but we're nearing the end. I think we have like, I want to say like 20 more chapters, maybe 10 more chapters. Okay. Not too long. Yeah. But there's just this little section. I was like, Oh my God, we really are (laughs) going to have at least one chapter all about finding a fucking grain. I was about to lose my mind. I don't know. I like my Maybe I do (laughs) just really like them looking for grain. (laughs) uh there i mean there was some good minutiae non-grain related in this like um poor traumatized sheena when the women are uh surrounding them (laughs) he does his little ball thing again yeah Uh, i think it explicitly says that he's traumatized because (laughs) they like took off his mask although we did get like a little glimpse of gija's uh, past and it was kind of played as a joke but it is very unfortunate because we find out that he 
um, was essentially harassed by suitors at home. And yeah. like at one point, like a woman just showed up in his room naked and charged at him. It just would be very fucking frightening. My God, like it is played off as a joke, and I did kind of chuckle a little bit when uh, later, like Jiha's telling Yona he'd charge Hawk if he was a woman, and then you just have Gija in the background going, "No charging." <laughs> okay, that's why I'm laughing because nothing else about this is funny, but that moment did actually make me laugh. <laughs> same, same. I'm like, it is an unfortunate situation, but that was a yeah. funny panel. Yeah, I also thought that that joke did not age well because it's essentially like men can't get raped joke, mm-hmm. which is not funny. And I think we as a society have come to agree on that. But 2000, I'm going to say 11 was a different time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay, so speaking of uh, things that made us laugh, back to the grain. The old man has this really bizarre joke about dancers. That I have never been able to figure out. Oh, yeah. I was going to ask about this, too, where it's like, what was it? It was like, this can't be explained. (laughs) It can't be helped. Yeah. (laughs) It makes no sense to me. But I find it absolutely delightful that he's just so fucking weird about dancers. And the entire time, Yoon is like, what is up with you and the dancers? (laughs) (laughs) Nope, never understood it. Never will. <laughs> oh boy. Um, but yeah. So then we get we get we get the dragons freaking out, and yeah. So then Jiha says the thing about wanting to jump Hawk, <laughs> and in my notes I just have Jiha, honey. You still try to jump him at every turn. <laughs> Doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man. You want him. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, and then Yona says that the court ladies at the palace would always talk about him and girls flocked to him in Fuga and I just think that this is her starting to see him as a man yes um, I noted that she's you know because Jiha also asked like are you jealous and she's like no and he's like oh she answered really fast and I'm, I noted it as she's becoming if not jealous she's at least aware now of his appeal yeah also, it, I, I did kind of roll my eyes a little bit, but then it, it's a, a evident in that alone. But then you have Jiha explicitly spell it out for us in his inner monologue. Yeah. Yeah, but we'll forgive it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll forgive it. It's fine. A little over explanation never hurt anyone. I do also like that, like, I feel like at this point it's kind of incomprehensible to her that he could ever want to leave her side Mm -hmm. and he doesn't but she also doesn't know that and so maybe like now that she realizes it's a possibility she'll try and hold him closer and she'll like realize some things so that might also be like not not so much jealousy as like oh god somebody else could take him away i don't want that i don't i mean i guess that's jealousy but i think that's more just like realizing that you don't want them to leave rather than you don't want them to be with anybody else. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I read a, going back to my MCU loving, um, there is a Stephen Tony fic where that's a plot point for Steve. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where he kind of just like starts dating Tony cause Tony's in love with him 
And he like aggressively doesn't want Tony to leave because he's like depends so much on his friendship. And then uh, Tony gets amnesia because of reasons. Oh no! <laughs> it, it comes out that like it was some weird, insane Loki plot that he like made Tony in love with Steve, and he also made like Hawkeye in love with Natasha, and so they had to like fix it. And so Tony lost his memory of the whole relationship was part of fixing it. Uh, and then Steve's really sad because he realizes that he he does actually really love Tony. And one of the things that makes him realize that he's going through his old sketchbook and one of his sketches from when Tony and Pepper are still together is he notices he always drew Tony looking away from Pepper. And he was like, I'm an idiot. I should have realized. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, spoiler alert for that fic. They they do eventually get back together. the The whole thing with both couples is they they they're reluctant to get back together. One because Tony just thinks it's fucking weird because he basically loses a year of his life and doesn't understand how he went from dating Pepper to dating Steve, who he was barely friends with, sure. um, before. Uh, and then the other hang up was, can we believe that it's real love or is it still just like the spell? But yeah, it all works out. But yeah, that is a major plot point in the fic where it's not necessarily like a jealous thing. It's just like, I need for me to be your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not even necessarily in a romantic way. It's just like. <laughs> yeah. Not to toot my own horn, but I did sort of write that for Obi and Shiryuki recently. Yes, link your own fic. <laughs> I will never link this. But the plot was basically that she had like broken up with Zen and she was having a conversation with like a friend. And uh, bas- the, the basic point of the conversation led to like being able to like somebody that you want to sleep with. And she's like, well, if you have to be friends with somebody that you want, then like Obi and I would be together. <laughs> and her friend just like <laughs> stares at her until she gets it. And then she's like, I think I should go talk to him. <laughs> so then she's like, okay, so like, I know this is like super sudden and you probably don't want this, but like, I don't want you to go anywhere and you should just stay with me forever. <laughs> and so he's like, okay, <laughs> yes, like, sure. <laughs> Right on. Uh, but I do That's like lovely. the idea of her just being like, well, yeah, I mean, like, we're already together. Like, don't go anywhere. So that's our girl, Yona. <laughs> Currently, yes. Yeah, she's <laughs> she wants Hawk by her side, which is very sweet. It's yeah, I think it's a nice progression of where we've been. Because it's mm-hmm. always been true, but now it's, like, actively so. I think in the beginning it was more she kind of took him for granted to always be there. And now she, like, is starting to realize that, oh, I'm, like, really lucky that he's actually here. Mm-hmm. And my man has options. Because your man has options. Uh, but back to comedy. Yoon has been forced into a costume for his dance later. <laughs> And Yona is so excited to see him dance that she never once wonders when he would have had time to learn between starving as a six-year-old and making sure Iksu didn't kill himself growing up. I will say it was really refreshing to see like a gap in his knowledge finally. And the fact that he was so bothered by it. He was like, I'm humiliated to admit this, but I don't know how to dance and I'll get it for the next time. But for this time, I cannot do it. Which I think was, like, perfectly in character. Perfect. I loved it. 
Um, also, Yoon says he's wearing the clothes the old man's late grandmother was ba- was married in. So yes, once again, Yoon would make a lovely man? bride. <laughs> Yoon would make a lovely bride. And also, once more, what is wrong with this old man? He's really hung up on dancers. <laughs> he's like, you know what a dancer should wear? My grandmother's wedding dress. <laughs> like, what is what is wrong with this old man? He's so weird. <laughs> He's perfect. So yeah, Yoon can't dance, but he remembers that Yona said she can, uh, and that she can also play the koto, which Great is a callback. Call yeah, yeah. To chapter thirty-eight. Uh, but I will. <laughs> I went back to look into it because I thought that she was talking about this in the group, but she's off on the cliffs, kind of isolated with Jiha. So there's really yeah. no way that Yoon should know this, unless Maybe it just Jiha comes up a bit later. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at some point, maybe they're traveling, and he mentions it, and Hawk makes fun of her for it. Like, I guess, yeah. but I don't know. I do that I sometimes. I'll relate random trivia that I learn about friends to other friends for no reason. All right. Fair enough. I'll buy it. <laughs> I'll buy it. I will. Speaking of things we'll buy this whole thing, I won't begrudge it because it's just a staple of any sort of romance that happens. Like <laughs> really con- contrived shit is going to happen. <laughs> but this whole dance plot was super contrived. This idea that Yoon, the only way to get the access to this grain from this old man is to dance and he can't do it. So Yona has to dance. And like, <laughs> it, it's all a very contrived situation to get Yona to like dance in front of Hawk. Okay. But consider it rules. So but consider it rules, and that's the that is a romance <laughs> principle. Yeah, that's romance. true. It's like, that's the thing. It's like same with reading fan fiction. It's like it's going to be the most contrived shit in the world that these two people need to pretend to be dating, or the most contrived shit in the world that they need to share a bed. But I want them to share that bed. I want them to fake date. So I'm going to buy literally any scenario that gets them there. Exactly. Literally any scenario. I'm suspending my disbelief completely. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so I just feel like good angst and romance. I'm here yes. for it. So I just wanted to point out that I do understand that this is super contrived. <laughs> but I'm going to forgive it because of what we get out of it. You know, I didn't even register this as contrived. I was like, yeah, of course this makes sense. <laughs> well, you sit back and think about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. In the romance novel that I've been trying to write for like five years, that'll probably never happen, but I can't no, give up. the because... one that you're going to finish this year? Good God. I've been writing it for five years. I should finish it. Yeah. Um, I was telling it to our friend Kerrigan, who was on the podcast a couple weeks ago, or not well probably not when this comes out but uh a while ago i guess for one of the bonus episodes um i was telling her about the plot which is basically that uh the main couple is gonna go on a road trip and uh they're like traveling back for a friend's wedding and she was like why are they driving from california to kansas city if they could just fly they are grown adults who should just fly and i'm like don't worry about it nobody's gonna care about that 
<laughs> I will explain it in like two sentences and it's going to be fine because people are going to buy into it because it is romance. And you need that opportunity to have two people in an isolated environment so that they can further their love. Exactly. Sold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yes. Yona can dance. She says she only learned the basics and uh, Hawk makes fun of her and that activates Yona's fuck you instincts and she immediately agrees. Yes, I love the look of determination on her face. <laughs> like, like she's, you know, reluctant and then as soon as he turns into a dick, just that I'll do it. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> exactly it's perfect also i want to say hooray for princess skills because it is also nice because she's sort of been like derided for it before because it's like you never learned anything of use but now it's actually of use right now yeah exactly so yeah good for my girl it's sort of bittersweet but yeah, yeah it is nice for them to be able to rely on on something that they I mean, because she, I think she rarely gets relied on. <laughs> she mm -hmm. usually gets helped out. So it's nice to see the tables turn and have her being the one to, like, save the day. Yeah, with only something she can do. Exactly. You love to see it. And on to the festival. Apparently when King Junam ruled, who was King Eel's father, if you're keeping track... Senri village was a battle site between Koka and Kai. Flames destroyed much of the village and killed many people during the battle. So the fire quelling festival is about quelling or subduing the fire, the souls of the dead, and the actual fire tribe who might come to reclaim their lost land. Uh, so with the first arc, we had pretty obvious villains. We have Suwan and Kumji and Taejun, I think, stand out as like the three major villains that were pretty straightforward. All they wanted was power and they didn't care who hurt or who got hurt or died along the way. But this arc, we are getting more nuance as Yona grows a little because it's a coming of age story. And with coming of age, you learn that like not everything is black and white. Uh, we have Taejun getting redeemed, Suwon maybe probably getting redeemed, or like at least we'll understand him a little better. Mm -hmm. uh, and if we look at Kunji as a representation of Kai, we see the same thing as with the Fire Tribe, where the people in power are doing the bad things, while the normal citizens are just trying to get by, and they're generally pretty good people. And it's a good way to uh, humanize the enemy as well and raise the stakes for any future altercations with Kai because it's a distinct possibility. I mean, we've heard quite a few times now that they're an enemy nation and mm -hmm. it seems like they're, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like they're setting up conflict. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's been hammered in pretty often, first of all, that. You know, they have land that used to belong to Coca. Yeah. And, you know, Kumji was selling girls to Kai specifically. Like, they're, they're, they're always a threat. So, yeah. Okay, good. So, I'm not giving anything away. No. I mean, who um, knows when when this will happen, but it, it it is like, I mean, even from like f the first chapter, they mentioned yeah. Kai. So, yeah. Unless it's another Castle's Box castle's dad's box situation in which case i will rage but <laughs> i don't think that's the case i have more faith in kusanagi than that yeah well you should 
<laughs> She's good. Um, yeah, so back to Hawk teasing Yona. He goes too far as usual and goads Yona into saying, maybe you don't know, but I spent a lot of time practicing so I could show Suan. And then she gasps and Hawk's face falls and things get even more awkward when Yoon finds her hairpin and tells her she should wear it to dance. So she snatches it back and holds it against her chest like she wants to hide it. But Hawk says, it's okay. You can do whatever you want with that. And he thinks, I do know. You wanted to show Suwon. You can't force yourself to get rid of the hairpin because even after everything, he's still in your heart. Oh my god. So this is stupid probably, but I literally (laughs) gasped when the pin came out because I forgot about it. Oh yeah? (laughs) And I was like, oh my god, yeah, the pin! She still has the pin! And then, uh, I thought this was going to be a chapter about grain discourse. (laughs) I thought I was gonna be bored out of my fucking mind and and then we have the hairpin yes the hairpin the swan (laughs) like literally my last note for this chapter is just angst in all caps I love love this I want to roll around in this I know right I love it oh Oh, I'm glad you had a good time too Uh, (laughs) that's delightful Okay, speaking of angst, I don't know if I've clarified this on the podcast, but when I talk about wanting Suwon to suffer, I want everyone to suffer. <laughs> it's not directed <laughs> at Suwon specifically. I just really like when characters are sad. <laughs> so I also love this. I love Hawk's suffering and a little bit of Yona's suffering right now, too. Yeah. Does your hurt have to have comfort? Yes, of course. Although, I don't know what comfort is going to come for Suwon. A big question. Anyway, um, we have comments again, finally. One from Mitchie is, Dang, Hawk always feels like he comes in second, but even now that Suwon killed her dad, she still likes him. (laughs) And then two, the second one, which is... (laughs) absolutely unhinged it's from zai with three a's and three i's says ouch what's so good about suan look i rejected the one i liked for a long time and it's hard because i like him i've liked him since we were kids he was like suan yes i still have feelings for him okay i understand what yona feels but you're still for hawk lmao (laughs) (laughs) sweetie are you okay yeah i was gonna say they are working some things out for themselves <laughs> in that comment. <laughs> yeah, it kind of feels that way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So on to chapter 65, the fire quelling festival begins. Yes. And I do want to take a moment to say I do wish as an American that festivals were more embedded in our culture. Yeah, because I see that that's a, they're clearly such a huge part of Asian culture, and it's like you just don't have that here. Like we'll have them, but it's like it's not like a thing. It's like they're really localized, and they're mainly like drinking things, like Irish fest. Like we're just gonna go and mm-hmm. drink for uh, St. Patty's Day. Like like that's like our caliber of festival most of the time. It doesn't have. Would any you count like- a fair as a festival? Because like county fairs, 
County fairs are fun. I I guess when festivals, when when I'm looking at festivals here, it's like they have these really great symbolic significant. Like there's huge significance behind them. Like like here, Mm -hmm. they're recognizing a specific event that happened. So just like things like that, rather than just like a festival for the sake of an annual festival. Yeah, I mean not to say I don't hate those. No, like. But yeah, I I do just wish we had more like festival or or it's like an anime when they have like shrine festivals and stuff yeah. like that. I'm like, oh, that just seems so delightful. <laughs> we just don't really get that as much here. I mean, you'll have cool fairs like um, you know, there's an annual art fair that comes every year, mm-hmm. um, or a multicultural fair that's you know really cool and fun. But just like, it's just not quite the same as this sort of thing. No, not really. We don't get that. Yeah. And I yearn. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So the festival, it's off to a great start. Zeno is juggling. Jiha's playing music. And Yona is being prepped to perform. And the ladies getting her, helping her get dressed, basically immediately ask her if she's dating any one of the traveling men, because of course they do. I mean, if I was a single person, my first question would be is, who is off limits? Mm -hmm. Uh, So they find out no one is off limits and are so fucking stoked about it. (laughs) A smorgasbord of hot dudes. Hell yeah. Um, I just, I noted what everybody liked about everyone because I thought it was interesting. Um, So one says she likes Keisha because he's beautiful and elegant. Another prefers Jiha because he's fun and his voice is so sexy. <laughs> uh, Sheena's eyes are pretty and Yoon and Zeno are super cute. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then Yona giggles and she thinks they're also popular, but then she absolutely stopped laughing when uh, Aro says that she likes Hawk best because she's looking forward to bearing him some children. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god, Yona's face in that panel was so funny. Yeah. I love that she thinks the women of the Kai Empire are amazing. <laughs> She's like clearly terrified. So good. And then Aro asks if Yona has someone she loves, and Yona says haltingly, the person I love is there was someone, as she thinks of Suwan and Awa. And she's clearly freaked out, so Aro apologizes and says they're just happy. Some Such fine men are visiting the village because, as we said, the, the soldiers are scary. And then she tries to get Yona to wear the hairpin, but instead of getting flustered this time, Yona just says, no, I'll never wear that hairpin again. A tiny bit of growth. tiny bit of growth. Also, I do love that because we haven't had to deal with her lingering feelings for Suwon in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do like that we're having to deal with them again, just as she's now noticing Hawk. Like, of course, this is a perfect time for that to come back up. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on her lingering feelings for Suwon? Um, I don't think it's necessarily like she'd never go for him or again or anything like that. I just think. It, it, it is just hard, even when somebody does something horrible to you, to let go, especially when you have such a history with them, and most of it is good, it is hard. Like, yeah. just straight up, you can't just turn that off. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've experienced it, but just on, like, a way lesser scale, where you'll have, like, a toxic friendship, 
And then you'll just sort of like romanticize it later and be like, oh, wasn't it fun? Oh, why don't I reach out? Or why do I never, you know, try and hang out with them anymore? And then you're like, oh, because they were annoying as fuck. <laughs> and they were mean and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Um, Is that what you texted me about the other night? Because you were like, no. maybe I should hit her up. No, <laughs> oh, I didn't want to hit up parents. That was a random. No, I, I was thinking more about um, high school in that okay. case. But no, that was just a random thought that I had. Uh, yeah, it was just like, um, this doesn't matter. But I, I was just doing like a progression because I was thinking of like games and whatnot. Because I'm going to the playoff game with my mom Sunday. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. And then I was like, oh, yeah. I remember when Alex went to that Royals game and she made them all pay for it because she said it was going to be a free game. And then it turned out not to be. And Oh, I do remember that now. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. remember what you were saying that she made us pay for. Oh, yeah. She got us free yeah. tickets and then was like, I don't want to pay for you guys when they turned out to be already used by her brother who gave them to her. Yeah. And then, like, she was also, like, a bitch because y'all didn't arrive in time to get, like, the free bobblehead or whatever. It's just like, my God. And so, yeah. So I, I just went from, like, thinking about sports games to that to her. And then I was like, she was a horrible person all around. Like, I was just like... Just the worst. Ugh, we had to hang out with her for so long. Yeah. But no, 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 no. no. Uh, uh, but going back to Yona, on a much grander scale than any sort of seeing a, a, a ultimately bad relationship with rose-colored glasses, it's on a way larger scale for her. Just Because <laughs> literally her entire life, I mean, they, again, they've been friends since childhood. It was really mm -hmm. just that last bit where he betrayed her in the worst way possible yeah like that last day really yeah yeah so even though like i think she knows there's no going back from you know you killed my dad but you know the ideal and that was just her heart for so long yeah no yeah i think you have nailed it but she is starting to move on just a little bit. I think she, yeah. So it seemed like she just sort of didn't ever want to think about it. And then she was forced to think about it in Awa and again now here. But whereas in Awa, she couldn't really react or speak. Here she is getting back a little bit. So she said no to the hairpin. And then she's still thinking about Suan right now. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And she thinks back to learning the dance uh, and we see her dancing with a fan and she thinks I practiced for you dancing was entertaining but that doesn't suit me now and then she asks for a sword yes she says, I've traded my fan for a sword symbolism yeah fuck yeah I think this rules I love this part uh, they only have an old rusty sword around, but she says that that's just fine. Oh, so, so long ago, I want to say it was the episode with press, maybe. I brought up that there is a a live stage version of this series, and I believe that they have the sword dance. Oh, hell yeah. That was one of the things I was going to note was this is something that I really wish could have been animated because you right? can't get the feel of a dance scene in a manga. You just can't. They have to tell you, you know, what emotions are going on. Or... <laughs> 
that's true. They do have to like explain to you what you should be feeling. Yeah, the audience is like, oh, she's doing this, or she's looks like this, and it's like, okay, but I want to see her dancing. Ugh. I have it. Hold on one second. Uh, they speculate that the dance is like prayer and sorrow. Yes. I'll be honest, I'm not really sure what that means, but it sounds beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also wish this had gotten animated. But yeah, I think it's the stage version. And I have not actually watched that video. I have to, I should have tracked it down, but I totally forgot it until like just now. But yeah, I was very baffled back when we brought it up the first time. And now I can tell you why. And it's because if you're going to put on a stage show, why would you jump into the second arc? Like, how do, how, how are they going to explain that? Or do they just presuppose that you already know what's going on and who the characters are and they're like okay if you're seeing this show you have to be a fan of the series so that cuts out a significant portion of people but then maybe everybody knows Japanese manga there's so much manga out there though I don't know how that's possible anyway I have a lot of (laughs) thoughts I really I'll I'll look it up for next week and I'll, I'll report back I forgot about it until now but uh yeah, so the the old man is very pleased with this dancing and he uh agrees to dish out the food even though Yoon isn't dancing. And so everybody gets some some of the dumplings made with the grains and and Yoon is ecstatic about it cuz he's like, "Yes, the hunt for food is still on." Yes. Also, I did laugh. Uh, the old man was like kind of wishing that Yona could show some leg or something. And I love you and just going, sorry, no, she doesn't do that. <laughs> I also noted that line. <laughs> it made me laugh really hard. <laughs> just sorry. No, she doesn't do that. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Although makes you kind of wonder what he would have hoped for with Yoon dancing. <laughs> Yeah, again, what is wrong with this old man? (laughs) (laughs) What indeed? Oh, man. All right. So, oh, also, one of my favorite Hakiona moments of the entire series is when Hawk is in the crowd and he is uh, watching her dance and Aro finds him and she's like, hey, maybe we can go back to my place and have some fun. And she takes one fucking look at his face and she's like, pack it up, boys. There's no way I'm winning this. He is so in love with that girl. <laughs> <sighs> the romance. It's perfect. Oh, <laughs> I just love a good hopeless. Yeah. Also, Hawk doesn't even look at her the entire time. No. Because he only has eyes for Yona. I bet he doesn't even notice that she's there. But Yona doesn't know this. She's completely oblivious. So she's just like, oh, some woman is going to steal Hawk away someday. She has no idea that he can't conceptualize other women when she's around. Yes. Speaking of going back to, again, so contagious by acceptance. Part of the chorus Mm -hmm. is, you're the only one I would take a shot on. Keep me hanging on so contagiously. That's our man. That is. Right. So then after the performance, Hawk brings her her portion of dumplings. And uh, she asks if he watched. And he says, yeah, you fumbled with the sword a few times. And expecting him to be in teasing mode, she says, I bet you laughed at me for being so awkward. And Hawk says, no, you were beautiful. 
Yeah, uh, this is a, such a perfect Takiona scene. They're both doing their classic bickering, but it's also filled with so much tension. Mm-hmm. And also, they're sort of not doing the classic bickering. He throws her for a loop when he just, like, drops the act and he compliments her to her face, which is so rare, I feel like. He, he does it very few times, and every time he does, she gets so flustered because her love language is words of affirmation so he is like perfectly playing into what she needs to hear to feel loved and she's like holy shit what do i do with this this is hawk uh yeah so then they have a really nice moment where he laughs at her poofy hair when she takes off her headpiece but then it's ruined again when hawk notices she's still holding the hairpin Uh, He puts his hand over hers in the pins box and he leans in like he's going to kiss her. And then he says, I did promise you not to joke like that again. Uh, And then he says they should get back to the others. Heartbreaking. And on flaming (laughs) Elmoka. Yeah. So I read him going for the kiss here as like a last ditch effort to get her to notice him for him to be like, see me, I'm here. And I'm such a sucker for those moments. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I know you don't care about Snow White with the red hair, but there is some choice. Tell me all about it, fam. There's some choice never- OBUQ moments. There's one specifically where, like, it, it, towards the very beginning, I don't even know if, like, Obi knows that he's into her yet, but she's, like, walking in front of him and he sees her hand and he reaches out and he's like going for her hand to like hold it and then zen shows up and he pulls back and he's like oh hey what are you doing here (sighs) yeah but also in something we both have in common pride and prejudice the 2005 kira knightley Uh version do you know what I'm talking about with like Mr. Bingley and he reaches out at the Netherfield the, ball? The dress. Yeah. Yeah. Just kinda, yeah. Uh, Jane is walking in front of him and he just kind of reaches forward to grab one of her like waist ribbons. Yeah. She won't even feel it, but just like that, that urge to connect. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This feels like one of those moments where he's like, he wants to connect in any sort of way, but then he's like, I no, you don't want this. I can't do this. And so he pulls back but yeah it's just peak i don't think the girl i'm stupid over even knows that i'm here and he just he wants her to know that he's there mm-hmm. but he she does hawk eventually maybe she will she's getting there just be patient oh <sighs> yeah good shit good slow burn oh <laughs> Okay, so the end of my notes, I think I got real wild because I said a bit of emotional upheaval for Yona. Poor girl. She should nap. Maybe with Sino. I bet he's a good nap partner and they're very strictly platonic. <laughs> and then I have Sheena and or Owl would also be acceptable. <laughs> so you're also working through stuff yourself here. Also, did, was Owl in this chapter? Come to think of it. I don't know that I noticed Owl. I think she did pop up maybe once on like Yahawk's shoulder? Yeah, but she wasn't really, like, taking focus. I miss my girl. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so that's it. Oh, I'm a little drained. That was very exciting for me. I love these chapters. Oh, good. Yeah, it was good. And to think, I thought it was going to be all about grain discourse. (laughs) Thank you, Kusanagi. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) 
Are we now ready to go for a wild turn and have me tell you about this filler episode of Kaleidostar Season 2? Yes, I love a good filler episode. Please tell me. Yes. Okay, so I've for our listeners, um, so Kaleidostar is about this girl named Sora who fell in love with this place called Kaleido Stage. They're like a circus show. Um and it's like her dream to be the star of this stage. And um, and she, she basically achieves that at the end of season one. And then season two is kind of trying to find a new dream. And like the, the environment of Kaleido stage has become really like toxic for her. And that she's constantly like pitted against other people. And it's just like very cutthroat and ruthless. And she's like, I want to make you know, a Kaleido stage where there are no battles is how she phrases it, where it's basically like everyone's just having a good time. It's all about the audience and their enjoyment, that sort of thing. And so that's our girl and she's, you know, our sweet little acrobat. And so we, we start the episode with her going to leave flowers for hospital ridden Leon, who is one of, I guess, almost kind of the antagonist for this season. I've bitched about him to you at length. Uh, so he is a world-renowned acrobat and a total dickwad. <laughs> he um, emotionally, mentally, and I would say physically abuses Sora and her rival May. On, and so he's now bedridden because his crazy ass pulled Sora on stage. Like she, that's the thing. Like at this point in the show, she, she or at this or in the series, at this point in the series, she was. It, she's basically not performing on stage anymore uh and she's like okay may her rival can be the star for now it's fine and so leon and may were performing and sora is just doing backstage work he literally pulls her on the stage to do like acrobatics and shit she's trying to like get off the stage and he literally like won't let her leave and then finally she manages to swing far and so he starts hallucinating her as sophie who we find out episodes later is his dead sister and so he's like won't let her leave he's like no don't go and then he misses a bar and then falls off the stage (laughs) (laughs) okay is this played straight or is this a joke no, this is all played straight. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah, sorry. This is just the, the yeah, I haven't even gotten to the filler episode itself. I just Oh, okay, okay. I was like, how does this fit into like a fun comedic filler episode? I just Got needed, I, yeah, I was like, I just needed you to know why Leon was in the hospital because yes. it is all so bad shit. Yeah, so it begins with Sora leaving flowers for hospital ridden Leon. And then she exits the hospital and her friends are across the street watching her and they're dressed as, okay, so two of her friends are in normal clothes and then her other friends are dressed as a coffee vending machine, a palm tree, a trash can, and a soup pot. And the soup pot isn't a human in that costume. That is Jonathan the seal, the little baby seal that like is one of her friends. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I also have a seal that's a friend. Also, yeah. I gotta say that a trash can as a <laughs> costume <laughs> kind of rocks. <laughs> I think that that should be her costume next Halloween. <laughs> I'm human garbage. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, her friends are, yeah, so they're just across the street. The fact that some of them are in disguises are is never explained, and with the exception of Ken, the co- the coffee vending machine, 
they stay in costume the entire episode uh so anyway so yeah they're across the street they're watching her um and they think that she needs some cheering up because of all that's happened she kind of blames herself for leon's crazy ass being in the hospital why uh, and she so, blame herself i because i guess he was hallucinating her as sophie and that's her fault but it literally isn't <laughs> it's literally not her fault that he hallucinated something about her <laughs> Yes, and pulled her on the stage even. Also, he genuinely looked so creepy to me when he was pulling her on the stage because she's, like, above the stage scattering flower petals. And he literally, like, stops his trapeze act, crawls up the trapeze (laughs) to grab her, and is like, hey, come. And she's like, the fuck are you doing? And then he literally just, like, drags her on with him. (laughs) He's my villain. Yeah. So, (laughs) but back to this fun filler episode. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you've got um, our friends, and they, they, they're like, okay, she needs cheering up. So they're hyping up Ken, who is their stage manager, and he's in love with Sora, and he's been in love with Sora this whole time. And so they're hyping him up to, like, ask her out finally. And so, like, you know, you've got some, like, humorous shenanigans. He you know, they kind of push him into her way and he successfully asks her to lunch, but he's unsuccessful in making a move. And so then they come across Mr. Policeman and Mr. Policeman was Sora's first American friend. He's just like this really cute, like policeman who just like supports her and is her number one fan and will do anything for her. So they come across him and he's like sobbing because it's his 30th birthday and it's his deadline that he gave himself to propose to Kate, who is his childhood friend. And they know Kate too. She's a doctor. Anytime somebody gets injured on Kaleido stage, it's, you know, Kate who patches them up. <laughs> so he's like, I'm turning 30 today. I always said I'd propose to her by then and I can't do it. It's a, you know, a dream. Wait, are they dating at this point? I don't think so. <laughs> He's just going to propose. Oh, were you, did we have the same teacher that her daughter had that happen? Have you heard this story? Yeah, I think it was, there was a teacher's aide, or at least for me, it was a teacher's aide. And yeah, her daughter and her like daughter's best friend one day, like he was just like, hey, let's get married. And she was like, okay, sure. <laughs> absolutely wild i mean like i'm deeply fucking jealous like yes <laughs> but yeah. that's wild yeah, i think also that's kind of how paul bettany and jennifer Connolly got together i think they like had co-starred together mm-hmm. somewhere and then like september 11th happened and it like made him wor- it made him worry because like she like she i think she was in new york at the time so it like kind yeah. of scared him so he she he literally just like showed up at her place and was like let's get married yeah I don't mean to laugh because it's September 11th. I just, like, forgot that that was the inciting incident. But it's wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, sorry for stealing your story. I heard that story from you, clearly. And I was like, have you heard this story? Yeah. No it was literally 10 years ago. Who knows where we got it? it a very long time ago. Ah. So, uh, yeah, I don't think Mr. Policeman is uh, dating Kate. But Sora and Ken are like, whatever, let's go. We're going to make this happy for you. Let's go find Kate because, you know, she's off work. And they (laughs) thankfully, because, you know, things work out perfectly, they do spy Kate across the street, but she's with another dude. So Sora's like, okay, I need to go investigate this and see what's up. So she goes and asks Kate. And thankfully, it's just like a platonic friend. And uh, Sora's stomach growls because she didn't get to finish her meal with Ken. And Kate's like, hey, let's go get lunch. And Kate's like, or Sora's like, sure. And she's like, 
but I need to inform the boys that, you know, things are fine. Uh, so she just kind of, instead of just running over to them for a second and being like, hey, it's fine, she just does a few acrobatic moves. And Ken's like, I have no idea what she's trying to say. <laughs> and Mr. Policeman, his exact line is, my unease only grows. And so they're like, okay, we got to follow her. <laughs> my unease only grows is kind of a baller line. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so they've got to go and follow them. So Kate's like, okay, it's payday. Uh, you know, let's stop at a bank. So they stop at a bank. It's surprise fucking bank robbery. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So Kate's immediately taken hostage, held at gunpoint. And Ken and Mr. Policeman kind of had a bad vibe. So they managed to get in right before the bank's locked down. And so then you've got this fucking bank robber and he's describing himself as the unluckiest man in the world and he's very inept and he's lamenting his misfortunes uh, because he's like, oh my God, because, you know, Mr. Policeman's like, hey, I'm a police officer. And he's like, oh my God, I rob a bank and there's a police officer just here. Like, I really am the unluckiest man in the world. And he's just like being really inept and like they hear the other police coming and he's like what who called the police and mr policeman's like oh this bank just has monitors they always know what's up he's like (laughs) so again he's just like freaking out uh and he he even says something like like, you know they tie up mr policeman and mr policeman doesn't want him to do anything crazy so he's like just you know tie me up sora it's fine and and um Like, the robber's even saying things like, if you run out of rope, look in my bag. I'm always prepared. My grandma always prepared me for shit like that. So then you've got her friends are outside watching. Sora's friends, the ones that are in weird costumes. And Wait, did I miss at the beginning why they were in costume? No, it's never explained. (laughs) Delightful. (laughs) I would say it was, I, I had assumed at first it was to disguise themselves. Because why they're in it. But, but two of the friends aren't in costumes. So there's no reason for it. Okay. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Uh, also, um, they've been kind of spying from afar this whole time. And there is one scene when they're in the corner and they're all in their costumes and they're looking across. And then the crowd is just like, is this some like new performance art? <laughs> or are they just like weirdos? And then they're like, don't make eye contact. <laughs> Which is fair. So her friends are outside watching as the police force gathers to review the, and they're all reviewing this hostage situation on the monitors. And the police chief just says something like, you can't rob banks just because you're dissatisfied with your life. He's like, I'm dissatisfied too. Like, do you know how much pocket money my wife gives me? It's a number I'm embarrassed to say in front of people. So like, that's the (laughs) count. So, like, that's the caliber of police forcing that is happening outside. (laughs) So, again, meanwhile, you've got the robber and Mr. Policeman tied up. And he's talking about how he, you know, he's tired of the world. Everyone's phony. Everything sucks. And his current dream is to just get the money through this bank robbery, move where there's no phonies and a low cost of living. And then find a girl. And then he's like unhinged a little bit. Yeah. So he asks Sora if she has a dream. And then she starts talking about, you know, her dream to make a conflict-free Kaleido stage. And then he's like, oh, you work at Kaleido stage? That place is all fake and phony too. And she's like, what the fuck? No, it's not. I'll show you right now. And Ken is like, Sora, now is not the time. (laughs) And then the the robber is like, shut up. We're talking about dreams. Don't butt in. So... (laughs) 
So the robber challenges Sora to make him a believer because he's like, I've got a steel heart right now. So, you know, she mentions that, you know, her dream is to make a conflict-free Kaleido stage and make everybody smile. And he was like, okay, show me that Kaleido stage is a phony and make me smile because, like, I'm never going to smile again. So, again, going back to really contrived shit, right? So Sora begins performing acrobatics. The robber, the other hostages, and the crowd outside watching on the monitors monitors are just, like, mesmerized. The the chief of police, it cuts back to him, and he's still talking about why he's dissatisfied. Like, he's like, you know what my daughter's boyfriend called me? And then he's like, oh, wait, is she doing a show? And then the friends who were outside are like, oh, my God, Sora's performing again. And they're like, oh, my God, I want to see. Like, they don't even care at this point that this is a fucking bank robbery happening. (laughs) And she's literally performing acrobatics to get this man to stop robbing the bank right so yeah so her friends call their other friend and kaleido stage uh, performer sarah and sarah's anxious to go and watch before the show's over so she goes over to where layla layla's the other big kaleido kaleido star she's sora's like absolute idol um so Layla and Layla's producer chick are currently training May, Sora's rival, because May's like, Sora has something I don't have. What is it? And so they're like, you know, she basically Sora's in tune with her emotions. So they're literally like in a room training May how to like act like a regular human being, <laughs> which is fair because May is fucking wild. Like one of her things, like, you know, she hates Sora. It's the whole thing. But one of her like key moves uh, for Sora is just barking at Sora when she's mad at her. <laughs> she'll start barking like a dog so like i can understand why this bitch doesn't know how to smile properly uh yeah that's yeah, wild. yeah. yeah. Also, so okay so i know that they had the same director for sailor moon so i don't think this is a a like shout out but there is one wild episode in season four of sailor moon where <laughs> where usagi gets so mad and like jealous that at um mamaru that she starts barking at him <laughs> in the dub the voice actor is perfect for it because he goes are you barking at me <laughs> and i will never be able to do his delivery justice but it's so good but yeah uh, anyway apparently that's a thing apparently man. that's a thing yeah there is one scene it was one of the ones i meant to send you where it's like where sora first comes back to kaleido stage after quitting and May's outside and she's like bitching at Sora, but the the glass is soundproof, so she can't hear anything. Uh, and then May switches from normal, like talking to clearly she's barking. And then one of them just goes, Oh, she's barking. Oh, this glass is really soundproof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's great. I love this show. It's so fucking batshit. So anyway, they're training May. And then Sarah runs in because she can't get to the show in time herself. So she goes, Sora's in a police drama at a bank and she's performing a show. And then Layla's like, I don't know what the hell she's saying. <laughs> and then her producer's like, let's just go. Those are so, words. <laughs> yeah, so they all show up. Uh, meanwhile, Ken has just like jury rigged some of the bank furniture to be like a trapeze for Sora because all right. Um, the robber generously provided his rope for it even. Uh, so her performance is successful. 
and the robber smiles and he's captivated and the policeman takes the time to tell him he's like yeah Sora worked really hard for you because that's just the type of person she is (laughs) she's really big on dreams and smiles and so the robber realizes that he wasn't dreaming anymore he was just running away uh so he just drops his gun and leaves and he's like hey sorry you're free to go and Sora's like thanks come to Kaleido stage sometimes and he's like sure and then he walks out (laughs) sure uh yeah oh he did I did also like uh Right before he left, he tells Mr. Policeman, he drops the gun, and he's like, it's all right, I'm not the one you need to catch. And then he winks and puts a thumbs up. Like, it's just like an acrobat joke, I guess. Okay. You need to catch a Japanese artist. <laughs> God, I'm, I promise this is the exact, I even noted it down so it didn't come out like I was drunk rambling here. <laughs> like, this is a real episode of television. So, yeah, so he leaves. And remember... Mr. Policeman needs to propose to Kate still. I have not forgotten. He... I'm waiting on the edge of my seat. Yes. Because that was his thing. He was telling the robber. He's like, yeah, my own dream is to propose to that woman over there. Uh, so he Wait, goes did to she Kate. Him? No. Oh, okay. I was like, that kind of ruins it. Cause, like, yeah, no. It, he was... <laughs> yeah, no. So he walks over to her. And he's like, hey, oh, oh, she's untying him. Uh, and he's like, and he goes, Hey, this is just like we were kids, right? And I'm like, God, what the fuck did y'all get into? <laughs> and all she says is, and she's just like, Yeah, superhero Kate rescues crybaby Jerry from the bullies or whatever. And they're just like talking. Um, and then he just turns around and he says, I want to put you under eternal arrest. <laughs> and then, oh, and then he goes, feet red and then she's just silent for a second and then she hands him a birthday present and says happy birthday and then he's still kind of silent and then she gives him a kiss and says "Um, I'll arrest you too and then everybody claps because now they're engaged I'm glad that they understood what was happening (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. meanwhile outside the police chief is just sad that the show's already over and everybody else is applauding and then it ends when you have Ken, who, again, is in love with Sora and has spent this episode trying to get with her. He's like, you know what? Sora's still only captivated by the stage, so I'm not going to make a move right now. And that's it. <laughs> Goodness. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. So that was a filler episode of this little-known anime that I'm watching <laughs> that I just had to tell you. Feel free to cut it if you need to. But I was like... I need to describe this to you. (laughs) I'm not cutting that. That was delightful. (laughs) So yeah, spoilers for Kaleidostar. I do recommend you all watch it because it, it, even when it's not good, it is so enjoyable (laughs) Uh, because of shit like that. So on that note, yeah, this one up. And we'll be back next week for something. We're still in Kai, so I'll be honest. I don't know what happens next. I know how this arc ends, but I don't know what happens next. So we'll see. (laughs) It'll be fun. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye.